in the book of Ephesians, and we've been going through this, this wonderful book, and uh, Paul is skillfully uh, comparing an analogy of the Roman armor to the Christian warfare. And uh, it's amazing to me how you can, uh, as you read it and, and think about it, how you can come up in your mind with ways of, of applying that and how that armor was so much like our battle with Satan and the, the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness and the, and the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and so forth. And so a lot to be learned here. But this is a spiritual warfare. Don't forget, you are in a fight. It's not you're in a fight if you want to be in the fight, and you can opt out of that as if you want. No, you're in a fight. If you're a child of God this morning, uh, uh, you need to put this armor on for action, for fighting, uh, because there will be that. And uh, last week we looked at the shield of, of the faith, remember? The definite article is definitely there before faith. So it's the shield of the faith. It's interesting this morning and also in the Greek, the helmet of the salvation in the Greek. And why the they don't translate it that. I couldn't find any translation that said the shield of, uh, I mean the uh, helmet of the salvation. But I guess, you know, it's not a, a big deal because it's really, we know what's, what's being said here, but still I find that interesting. Uh, we realize that all of this armor points to Christ. All of this armor is on the outside. This is nothing on, of us on the inside. It all points to Christ, who is our helmet of salvation. He is our salvation. We just sang this morning, did you not? Thy salvation. And that's scriptural. In verse 17 of Isaiah 59, uh, for he put, that is Christ, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. I think that's really interesting. Uh, Our Lord uh, took upon himself uh, our sin and uh, he purchased our salvation and He is our salvation that we put on our head. It's not our own salvation, and we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, It's interesting, the description of uh, the helmet of the salvation. You know, helmets uh, are really an interesting thing if you think about helmets. They have them for bicycles now, motorcycles, uh, just about everything you can think of so you won't get hurt. When When I was growing up, we ran into trees on bicycles, and I mean, it's a wonder I'm not dead, really. And we'd do a lot of this stuff just for fun, like go off a cliff on your bicycle and see if you could make it to the other side of the, <laughs> of the ditch or whatever. Real stupid stuff. But, uh, but anyway, they have helmets for, for that now, and uh, uh, we see it particularly in football. And don't get me started on football, though, because I don't want to get sidetracked on that since I enjoy that so much. But we find this helmet uh, that the Roman soldier wore had a big purpose. Uh, 
It brought, like Christ's salvation, deliverance and protection and all of these things it brought that Christ brings for us. And so it's very, very important. The, 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 the helmet was made of thick leather or brass or iron or a combination of those. It was fitted to the head of each soldier. In other words, it's like the football helmets are today. Everybody had a different size head, and it was fitted. And so they took great pains in that. Even went down the back of your neck for, for the protection of the neck. And uh, it even had uh, sponge-like material on the inside of the helmet to withstand blows better, like football helmets. There's a lot of comparison here. So it was a custom fit. And uh, it also had a plume on the top. If you've seen movies like Ben-Hur, and uh, they've got these great big plumes that, that are on the helmet. And uh, uh, I'm sure if you saw legions, thousands of men coming towards you with these plumes, it made them, for one thing, look taller. You know, and you go, I don't think we're going to do this. And the enemy, many times, would run from the Roman armies. They wouldn't even stand up to them. They'd just give in uh, because they were such an awesome appearance. I watched one movie one time, and I remember one of the guys on the other side said, boy, that's a beautiful army, you know, <laughs> and uh, sort of uh, overwhelming and very noticeable, very splendid. And you go, you, I'm sure you would go, wow, if you saw it. And uh, so the, the, the helmet was a benefit in four ways. We find it was for protection. There was no hope without your helmet. Uh, just like in a football game, if you can imagine one team having helmets, the other team not having helmets. I guarantee the one with helmets is going to win. Okay, And so helmets are that important. Dad said he had a helmet in World War II, and they always would wear it. They were told to always wear it. And he was sitting under a big palm tree, and one of those prawns came down out of the tree I guess they'd been shelling the beach before they landed, and a lot of that stuff was loose. But he said that prawn came down and hit him right on top of the helmet and broke all the liner in his helmet. And he said he'd have been killed if he hadn't had that uh, helmet on. And, uh, and I'm sure he was uh, not exaggerating. It knocked him out, he said. And uh, when he came to, of course, all the other guys were saying, we were hope- hoping you were dead so we wouldn't have to deal with you anymore. And, and so no sympathy at all in the Marine Corps. So anyway, uh, so it was for protection. Also, ornamentation, uh, the plume, that was an inspiring thing that actually intimidated the enemy. And uh, it was an overwhelming sight to see this army decked out, uh, especially if you didn't have armor. Uh, and some of those people they fought just had a sword maybe and a shield, and that was it. Uh, also, thirdly, it gave the soldier confidence, confidence uh, as he fought. And uh, you know, if you've ever played football, when somebody and you tackle somebody and they fall on your head, without that helmet, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a pretty picture. So the football gives you confidence even to tackle somebody, and and what have you. And so, also perception, maybe there was a guard that came down over this helmet. And uh, it would give you uh, bravery, if you will, in the battle of fighting. Maybe even to 
get enough courage to look over the top of your shield to see what was going on. So it was, so this helmet was extremely important, and, and uh, uh, the soldier always had it. It's interesting, what brings salvation? Or maybe I should say, who brings salvation? Titus 2.11 said, the grace of God that brings salvation. It's the grace of God that brings, and we sang, we sang about that this morning. Uh, and it has appeared to all men, uh, the Bible says. That's Titus 2.11. So, what does Paul mean by the helmet of the salvation? The helmet of the salvation. He's saying, literally, the helmet which is salvation. It'd be like saying the city of Mobile. It's like saying uh, the city which is Mobile. And so it's very clear what Paul is talking about here. Now the question is though, what does he mean by salvation? So so you have to ask yourself these questions as you go through. Uh, One idea, and I don't think it's correct, is the sense of your own conversion your own salvation experience. But that's inward. See, that would be looking inward to something that you have done or that has happened to you. But we're talking about uh, the, uh, the grace of God that brings salvation, which is a bigger picture, I think, than your own uh, conversion. And, uh, but some look at this as Paul is telling them to put on their salvation uh, so they can be converted again since they, you lose it a lot. There's some people that really believe that you can lose your salvation. Matter of fact, they say every time you sin, you lose your salvation. And you have to ask Jesus to save you again. That's not what Paul is talking about here when he says put on this helmet. Uh, that's really sad, I think, when people think of salvation in that shallow of terms that uh, they can lose it. It's really sad. Uh, But the Bible uses salvation in uh, uh, several different ways, uh, tenses, you could say. First of all, one aspect is past tense, the past tense of salvation. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved, past tense, through faith. That's a one-time happening. That happens at regeneration. It's justification. It's at conversion. You're adopted. All of these are one-time events that don't happen over and over again. You don't have to. You're just adopted once. Okay? Uh, And I think that's pretty clear. We've talked about that before. And so this is being saved from the punishment and penalty of sin. Past tense. You've been saved from the punishment and penalty. And penalty of sin for all time. And uh, so keep that in mind as you're thinking about this. And uh, your personal salvation is once and for all time. Uh, God, remember, doesn't play with souls. What God begins, he completes. Because... He is salvation. He is salvation. And he 
by grace brings salvation. We don't bring salvation to ourselves. He brings salvation to us by grace. We're saved through faith. And the faith isn't even of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So take yourself out of all of this. It's really hard to do though, isn't it? But remember what Philippians 1.6 says. Being confident of this. Now notice Paul says to the Philippians, I am confident of this. It's not, you know, might, this might be true. This could be, possibly, maybe. He says, no, I am confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, until Christ comes again. Wow. See, it's a done deal. It's, done, it's over. And you've been saved by grace, past tense, and all your sins are forgiven. Uh, and then, though, we can see salvation in the present tense. Uh, there is also a sense in which you're being saved. You're being saved. It is not that we are constantly being justified or regenerated. That was for all time, once for all. But uh, we are uh, being uh, changed to not have sin dominate us. We're saved, being saved from the power of sin. This is a gradual thing. It's called sanctification. This is God working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This is an ongoing thing. So in that sense, we're saved from the, from the power of sin that domin- could dominate our lives. Sanctification. Uh, we are becoming more and more like Christ. We're not becoming more and more saved. You see the difference? You're not any more saved today than you were yesterday if you're saved. And if you fall into sin, if you do something horrible, uh, if you were saved yesterday, you're still saved today. You're, you're, You're not more and more accepted. You're accepted in the beloved if you're a child of God. See, that's what we've got to put into our minds. Oh, you can't tell people that. If you tell people that, they're going to just go out and sin all they want to. No, it's going to humble you to where you don't want to sin. You see, so don't let uh, Satan whisper that in your ear. Uh, No, there is a gradual growth. uh, uh, And we're being saved from the power of sin. And then there is a future sense, and I think that's what Paul is really talking about here. One day, when Christ comes again, we're going to actually be saved from the presence of sin. Guess what? Melanie is absent from the presence of sin. She's better off, much better off than we are. She is rejoicing more than you can ever imagine. We miss her. But now in 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 the presence of Christ, wow. So let's rejoice with her in that sense. Again, grieve, miss her. We should do that. But the future sense will happen 
both body and soul to body and soul one day. This called the day of redemption. When? When Christ comes. Wow. Think of that. Uh, and I think that's what Paul is getting at here. The grace of God brings salvation. It's like when Paul starts out in the book of Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You see, it's the big picture, if you will. It's our salvation. Christ is our salvation. And so don't make this inward. Don't look inward, as I talked about last week. If you look inward, you're going to be really disappointed. I am in myself because in my flesh dwells no good thing. Now, I do have God's Holy Spirit. He's working in me, yes. But I find my comfort in Christ, who is the helmet of salvation. Put him on, Romans 13, 14. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on Christ. Because he is your salvation. Uh, that ought to encourage everybody. And it surely encourages me. Uh, and so, our body has not been redeemed at death. Melanie's body is not redeemed at death. Why? Because it will be raised one day. And her spirit will be reunited with a glorified body. Because uh, that's the way, for one thing, that's the way God designed it. And uh, the scripture says in Romans 8, 23, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. See, when you go to be with the Lord, your body doesn't go with you. It stays here until Christ comes again and you're raised, your body. Now, he doesn't need DNA. And so all those soldiers and sailors that were lost at sea and they're no more, they will be raised with glorified bodies. Now, uh, I don't understand that in human terms, but I know God as we look about his creation, he can do anything. Amen. And whoa, think of that though. We're looking for that redemption of our bodies when it's complete. And boy, that's, that's a day uh, to look forward to. And, and I know we all are. So right now you might say we have a, uh, a naked soul when you die. You have a naked soul. And one day that will... Uh, not be true anymore. Second Corinthians five six through eight. Therefore, we always we are always again. What what's the word? Confident and no, not a hope so no so. No, this is a no so no so. He's talking about that. As long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And that's what happens at death. We're away from the body, but we're at home with the Lord. And she's at home with the Lord. Whoa. In other words, uh, I'll trade places with her. Right now. I can't, but if I could, I would. Uh, And 
So let this sink in. We just need to let it sink in and, and understand uh, what Paul is talking about here. So the, the, the effects of sin still remain uh, with the body. Uh, as the body deteriorates and grows old and, and you pass away, it's not a pretty thing at all. It, it's not pretty. But one day it's going to be glorified, the body. And it's going to be a day to remember. And uh, I can't wait for that day. Uh, but that will not happen until Christ comes at, at his coming. And, you know, it's interesting when you study uh, God and you study his plan and you study uh, redemption and justification and glorification. It's really interesting. Uh, Romans 8, and by the way, this uh, uh, Melanie asked me to, sing, uh, to preach on Romans 8, 28 which I'm planning on doing. But the verses that, pre, that come after that, it says, For those God foreknew from all eternity, is what this is talking about. You see, from all eternity, God has known you. Now, can I understand that? Nope. I mean, that's beyond my comprehension. But from all eternity, he has known you. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now, why does it say, and he will in the future glorify them? Because Paul realized, in one sense, we're glorified right now. See, this is the bridge from eternity to eternity. This, this bridge right here. Uh, being called and justified and glorified. This is the bridge. And it's already done in one sense. But we look forward, do we not? And experience that. In God's mind, it's already completed. We have a God that's beyond our comprehension. Wow. And you're safe in him. When you die, he's not going to forget you. Now, there will be some who wish that he would. But he won't forget them uh, as well. Uh, sad, sad to say for them, uh, they will have their reward as well. So this is a, a beautiful picture Paul is, is painting here. And uh, if we see in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, But since we belong to the, to the day... And that is not to the night. That's what precedes this. Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. See, that's why I say what Paul's talking about here is the future. He is looking from eternity to eternity and he sees one day in the future the hope of that redemption. That's a sure hope. When we will be raised incorruptible. And uh, put on immortality. And uh, so a beautiful picture. Um, so in what sense then is he using the word uh, salvation? It is the truth of our final salvation. Including glorification. 
And this is the helmet that we should wear. The hope, the future hope of salvation that is sure. This is a sure hope. You know what a sure hope is? You know, uh, you know. I remember when I, when I, before I asked Janine to, to date me, I said, I sure hope she's going to say yes. Hmm. Well, was that a sure hope? No. Well, I thought it was, but <laughs> no, believe me, I was hoping and praying and, oh, this would be a miracle of all miracles, Okay. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. The hope that we hope is sure. It's going to be yes. No, it, no it's, 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 uh, it's a sure, sure hope. To say, I hope it's going to rain, and I don't. I, you know, we've had enough. Uh, but I, I know it is. But that's not a sure hope. If God decided, he could have it not rain for a month if he desires. So, and that's happened too. So anyway... So I think Paul means the salvation in the sense of future glory. Not conversion. Not our own salvation experiences. Do you want to put that on? I can't even find my conversion some days. I mean, it's like, gee, Manettis, am I really a Christian at all? And those doubts will come. Maybe for some sin that I've fallen into or some thought that I have thought or some deed that I didn't do or did do. Say, no, you don't look inward. You put on Christ, who is your salvation. And it's a sure hope. This is uh, the hope that the Bible talks about. Not doubtful. Uh, Sure. Romans 5.5 And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, it's a sure hope. And this hope does not put to shame. Ephesians 1.18 that we've already looked at, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which, to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Amen. Wow. See, that's what you've got to focus on is the future. You look to the future. Paul said, forgetting the things that are behind, reach forth unto those things which are before. Hebrews 6, 17 through 19, because God wanted to make the unchangeable nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it in an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have uh, fled to take hold of the hope set before us, may be greatly encouraged. See, that's what all this should do to you. It should encourage you to live the Christian life. Not focusing on yourself, because you, you want to get discouraged. Focus on yourself. Do I have an amen? Amen. <laughs> I know because I've been there, and I've done that. I got so down, and I was looking at myself, and I'm a failure. I never do anything right. Uh, uh, I never accomplish anything. Uh, never lead anybody to Christ. And oh, woe is me! Huh? See, I was looking inward. Yeah. I got to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, and then I'll be what encouraged to live the Christian life. Wow! 
And you say, you've, you've said this before. Matter of fact, like for the last four messages. Yeah, and I think what Paul is saying, I want you to get the message. You know, how many times do you have to hear something before it goes ding, ding, you know, and you go, I hear you. Well, that's what Paul is doing here. And, uh, and he says, uh, I don't think I'll finish reading this. Uh, we have this hope as an anchor. As an anchor. This hope of salvation to come. As an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. Not maybe, hopefully, maybe, you know, if I'm good enough and if I'm able to do all the right stuff at the right time. No. It enters the inner. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's the, the, the we have his oath and his promises. Uh, the, the promise that God cannot lie. And then what is the uh, spiritual uh, explanation? Uh, the hope uh, of glory or hope of the salvation is to the Christian what uh, the helmet is to the soldier. So what is this to the Christian? All of this that we've been talking about. Uh, the helmet. Protection. The protection is the future glory, the future hope. Guaranteed. It acts as a protective helmet to the Christian in the day of temptation. What are some examples uh, that gives us protection against the temptation of giving up? Do you ever feel like just giving up? That you just lost heart? Quitting? Weary? What are you not doing? You're not fixing your eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. I think I just made that up. But anyway, we need, we need to fix our eyes on Christ. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. See, Paul knew it. He, he understood. Well, I say Paul. I think it was. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do you do that? Fixing your eyes on Jesus, not on yourself. You'll fail yourself every time. It, it, yourself fails you. And uh, it keeps us from being overwhelmed by life's sorrows and, and hardships and uh, the, the sufferings of this present uh, time and so forth. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, uh, we do not lose heart. And I, I say that this morning. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. And by the way, if you look around, uh, a lot of you have changed a lot since I've known you, since I've been here, and I know, I know I have. But it says, even as, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and, and momentary troubles are achieving for us any what? Eternal glory. This great day of redemption, of salvation far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes 
And that's why I think it's Paul in Hebrews, to be honest with you. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Future. Remember the bridge from, from, from glory to glory, from eternity to eternity. And one day, it's going to be. And that's what we fix our eyes on. And uh, uh, even heaven itself is a motive to keep us from these lusts, these, these, these things that come against us. Fear is one. The helm- uh, have you ever put on the, the helmet of fear? Fear of damnation, condemnation. Don't ever use that as a deterrent. No, you're not to ever put on the helmet of fear. Why? Because Romans 8, 8, 1 says, for there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You've got to believe that. The condemnation, the damnation, the punishment, Jesus took it all. Wow. And what protects us from envying the wicked? We found in Psalm 73 with Asaph. Uh, it says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. This is Asaph thinking about the wicked. I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into what? He had his eyes, not on this life, not on what's going on with him in his own life, right? No. But on, but on God, from whom I, from who, whom have I in heaven but you? See, Christ is our salvation. He's our helmet. And on earth, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Can we say that? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Wow. How wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? And then the helmet also adorned uh, the soldier. It gave him a sense of confidence as he wore it. And if you've ever played football, you know what I'm talking about. It gives you a sense of confidence that you're not going to be hurt, at least not as badly. But uh, the plume on top of the helmet adorned the soldier. You know what? Christ adorns us. Let me just ask you, when people look at you, do they see the plume? The radiance, the beauty, the magnificence of Christ, not you. Are you getting the picture here? I think Paul, it's just amazing how he makes this an allegory that is so, uh, such a great picture. Romans 5 2 says, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And what? Paul says what? And we boast in the hope 
of the glory of God. Future. We, we look forward to that day of redemption and glory. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead and into the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's waiting on you. Not maybe if you're good enough. or No, it's purchased by Christ for you. When you trust Him, when you, when you call upon the name of the Lord and are saved, it's kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by what? God's power. Not your own power, not your own keeping power. You're kept by the power of God unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Are we rejoicing? Are we, do we rejoice in our salvation? Boy, I don't so much of the time. Some days I wake up and it's doom and gloom and woe is me. And, uh, and then I go, in my mind, go back to Africa and remember what they go through and how rejoicing they are. And they have nothing. We have Christ. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even uh, though refined by fire, may result to praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy. Glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow, future. You're saved now, but we are looking to the salvation, the redemption to come. That's our focus. Focus, focus on Christ. For He is all you need. He is all you need. Let me end with this uh, verse. Titus 2.13, which is my uh, uh, life's verse. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you waiting for that blessed hope? Are you longing for His coming? Or do you fear his coming? And don't be twice or two things. You're either fearing his coming or you're hoping and rejoicing for that day when he does come. We as believers are looking forward to his coming. Why? Because we have salvation. The helmet. We have Christ who is our salvation. Let's fix our eyes on him, brothers and sisters.
Let's pray. Father, this morning, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, proclaim your word. It's your word, O oh Lord, that is truth. And Lord, without you, we can do nothing. You are our salvation. You are our hope. And Father, help us to rejoice and be radiant as that Roman soldier, I'm sure, in so many ways, had confidence and was radiant and was a splendor to look at. And Lord, help us to be as your children the same way, armed with you, covered with the righteousness of Christ, and having Christ as our salvation, our helmet. And Lord, we just praise you. We praise you for putting up with us. Uh, use, uh, and even use this feeble effort as a sermon uh, to touch hearts. Uh, we need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.